and welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over 10 years of experience. And this is Trisha, and lately I've been experimenting with different snaced sizes. What is a snaced size? Well, as you know, I make my own candles, and when I do that, I have to choose the proper wick for the amount of wax. And a snaced size is a different type of wick size. So each wick has its own snaced size. Oh. Clear as mud? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Addicted to Murder, Israel Keys, part three. And Courtney's going to give us a social media because I always screw it up. So, as always, um, we appreciate all of the likes and comments and follows and shares and all that stuff that we've gotten over this past week. And for those of you who aren't connected to us on social media yet or need to be reminded, you can reach out to us. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Addicted to M Podcast, on our Facebook, which is Addicted to Murder Podcast, our Twitter, which is also Addicted to Murder Podcast. Mm hmm. And you can also reach out by email, um, which is addicted to murder podcast at gmail.com. Very good, Courtney. It seems like that should be so easy, but every time I listen to myself, I have screwed something up when I do it. But I don't know. I'm trying. It's a lot of repeating the same words over and over, but in slightly different sequences. Yeah, I guess. Well, um, we hit 1,500. Well, actually, we got like 1,600 um, downloads this week. So. That was amazing. Um, we somehow opened up to Samsung Podcasts, and that really did a lot for us. So thank you all of you Samsung Podcast listeners. You've really helped boost our morale over here at the Addicted to Murder Pod Studio. It's so awesome to see so many people from so many countries listening to us. We love it. It's amazing. Yeah. And if you guys don't know, we are also on Apple Podcasts now. We finally got onto Apple Podcasts. It took us a long time. Uh, I'm not really sure why, but just as, you know, sometimes the technical stuff just kind of isn't always the easiest for us, but we are getting better. Yes, we are. We did get a new computer. So we're trying that out today. So uh, let's hope that, uh, you know, we sound sound awesome to you guys because that's important to us. So, all right, well, now we're on to um, our question segment. We are, and Trisha, it is your turn to pose a question today. It is. Um, So, Courtney, when you were in high school, what was the thing you wanted to be when you grew up? Ooh, well, I think I actually had to do, like, an essay project thing on this in, like, 11th grade or something. And I'm pretty sure that mine was all about being a writer, because mm-hmm. at the time I was writing a whole lot of very melodramatic poetry, oh. um, trying my hand at some very dramatic short stories. Um, so I was thinking that I might, and I, I was also working on the school newspaper at that time as well. So I think I was toying around with the idea of being a writer. Teen angst. So much angst. Hmm. Well, um, I was super into music I still am but in the 90s when I was in high school it was kind of the grunge and the pop punk um thing and I went to warp tours and you know Sasquatch festival and all this stuff and I really wanted to be um the person that makes the soundtracks for movies 
I'm sure it has a specific name and it's just escaped me but I thought that would be amazing because I thought that I was so cool listening to all this music that nobody had ever heard before and going to all these concerts and I could just gather them together and you know make amazing podcasts for awesome movies I assume that or you don't not make podcasts. podcasts I meant <laughs> soundtracks <laughs> that would actually be a really cool job right yeah Okay. Yeah, such an interesting job. Yeah, but I would think so, but it didn't happen. No. Nope. All right. Well, that was a great question. Thanks, Trisha. Thank you. Um, do you want to do a quick overview of Israel? Um, well, sure. before I get started, because today, up to date. yeah, today is going to be kind of a gruesome day, and it's going to be a, a a lot of detail about stuff and not a whole lot of analysis, but we'll still get a little bit of Courtney's input. Right. Yeah, so I believe where we left off at the end of episode two of Israel Keys, we were talking about, you know, he had been in the military, he had become an alcoholic, he had a kid, he moved to Alaska with his kid and his girlfriend, um, and he had just been arrested for, as a suspect for the murder of Samantha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Israel's original story to the police as to why he had Samantha's phone and debit card was this. He said that someone must have left those two things in his truck in a Ziploc bag. His window must have been cracked and someone who owed him money must have tossed it in as a form of payment. Well, the FBI did not buy that for a minute. It was actually a pretty lame story, but oh well. Um, But unfortunately at the time, they had nothing that they could get him on except for the fraud. There was nothing else linking him to... um, Samantha. So while they were waiting the two weeks to extradite him to Alaska, they being the FBI or, you know, and the cops and everyone started researching his background and they found out he had passed a pre-ranger course in the military. And that usually has a very low passing rate. So I went and I kind of researched what this ranger's course was. And I found this on the Fort Benning website. This is a quote. Ranger school is the Army's toughest course and the premier small unit tactics and leadership school. The ranger course is a mentally and physically challenging school that develops functional skills directly related to units whose mission is to engage the enemy in close combat combat and direct fire battle. And it's 62 days long. Ranger students train to exhaustion, pushing the limits of their minds and bodies. And I have a friend who was in the Army, and I asked her a little bit about this, and she said that, yeah, it's a pretty insane um, course, and it's really hard. So, um, Courtney, kind of sounds like Keyes was perfect for this course. Maybe his psychological profile showed he'd be good, a good fit, and that's how he got past the fact that he had no paperwork and was able to enlist. What do you think? I agree. Um, you know, his upbringing would have taught him many of the skills that he'd need probably to be a ranger. You know, he was already adept at, you know, surviving without any creature comforts. You know, well-versed in shooting and camouflage and stalking. And he certainly did not seem to have any, like, moral objections to killing. I agree. So also during this time, Key's house was searched. His girlfriend was interviewed, and so was his mother. Finally, Keyes agreed to talk, and on March 30th, 2012, he relayed his story. He was talking um, as if all of his stuff from, he was, pardon me, he was asking if all of his stuff from the shed was taken in as evidence. 
Um, he had two sheds on the property at one point. Um, I think one of them was demolished, but anyway, anyhow, um, his reason was, this is a quote, I think it's, uh, I don't know. It's like 30 or a 40 gallon tote in the, in the sled. He had a sled in the shed. That's why I figured out, you know, once you got a search warrant of my house, that's probably, well, you're probably going to find something in it. I'm making those um things because he did. He then relayed that he took that tote ice fishing at Lake Matanuska, where he proceeded to dump the first day was the head, legs, and the arms. The agent asked of Samantha Koenig, and he responded, yep. So basically, to summarize that, um, when he found out that the cops had been searching his property, he figured they would find this tote. There would be DNA of Samantha, so he decided to come clean. Um, and it sounds like on the first day that he took that out, he dumped part of her body into Lake Matanuska. M-A-T-A-N-U-S-K-A. Do you have any idea how to say it? Matanuska? Okay. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. He's correct. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in Alaska. Keys then relayed how the abduction went. He had ordered an Americano, pulled out a gun, and told her to lay down on the floor. Keys then said, quote, I was feeling a little invincible. Because she was scared, and she did everything I said, and I had an adrenaline rush, end quote. Keese described how he ran around town with Samantha tied up and threatened to her to keep her quiet. They even spotted a police car at one point and stopped at a place to park. He said he shared cigars with her and talked to her quite a bit. He had calmed her down. He said he wanted her to think that he was a normal, po- normal person. This, quote, normal person expression made the agents think that Keyes had done this before because why else would he be trying so hard to make her think he was a normal person? So around 1 a.m., Keyes took Samantha out of his truck into one of his sheds on his property. He had already set up the room with heaters and a tarp. Now, Courtney, if I was this poor girl and saw a tarp on the ground in a shed, I would, like, lose my shit, right? Like, this is Dexter's, you know, death room all over it. Oh, yeah, and I mean, especially for any sort of, like, true crime fan at all, we would know, like, okay, this isn't going to go well. Right. He proceeded to tell her, quote, I'll make you comfortable. You just sit here. But I'm going to have this police scanner on me, so if I hear reports of screaming from this neighborhood or anything, any disturbance from over here, I'm going to be back here before the cops get here. He then turned the radio way up to drown out any noise she might make, and he then told the agents, you know, she was very cooperative. She didn't seem like she was going to try anything. I gave her like a five-gallon bucket for her to pee in and then dumped that out and then stuck it back in the shed so she'd have something to sit on and then took a piece of rope and put it around her neck and screwed it to the wall on both sides, and I think I changed her. Now, the book said that um, it could have been a misinterpretation, and he might have said chained her, but that's what they wrote down in the uh, testimony or whatever. So... Um, So then he then turned up the heaters, went inside, had some wine, as one does, uh, came back out to the now 90-degree shed and raped her twice. It took a while, maybe two or three songs on the radio. He then put his gloves on, leather and not rubber. When asked why leather, he said, because it's hard work to strangle somebody. I knew. I knew from the minute she walked out of that coffee stand, she wasn't going to live. She never even made a sound. He then stabbed her below the shoulder blade, put his pants on, finished his wine, went back into the house to shower. Then he woke his daughter to get ready for their trip, turned off the space heaters in the shed that had been left on to slow rigor mortis, of course. 
hid her remains in a cabinet, locked the shed, then called a cab. Keys left for two weeks, meeting his girlfriend, and went on a cruise, all while Samantha's body lay in freezing temperatures in that shed. Courtney, tell us anything you want to say about this murder, how it was done, how he acted, how he seemed to have felt. You know, so Israel is what profilers would generally call an organized killer in that he planned ahead, knew exactly what he would do, and had all the things ready to do it. You know, he had a method, and for the most part, he stuck to it. So his description of what he did also speaks to his intelligence and understanding of forensics, such as, you know, knowing that heat impacts how quickly rigor mortis sets in. Um, And it also shows just how good Israel was at, you know, compartmentalizing and and faking this, you know, quote, normality. You know, only a psychopath could rape and kill a young woman and then turn around and have essentially a normal morning with his daughter, Mm -hmm. go on a vacation as if nothing had happened. And, you know, hearing and watching him as he spoke about the murder... There are, like you said, I think the last time a lot of um, like videos on YouTube of his, you know, interrogation. Exactly. You know, it suggests that this ability to switch kind of on and off is something that he was just really proud of. Yeah. And I mean, he's so cavalier in his attitude. Yeah, I had some wine. Then I raped her. Then I decided I wanted the rest of my wine, you know, like she meant absolutely nothing to him. It's like a kid describing how their day at school went. Right. Well, when Keyes came home from his cruise a couple weeks later, he warmed up her body and said, quote, I had sex with her, her corpse. And, um, you know, she was still warm. And I guess I lost track of time. Later on, he spent hours trying to position Samantha for the Polaroids for the ransom note. But it was really difficult because Samantha's facial muscles really weren't working. So, yeah, he decided he wanted to get money, you know. So he's like, oh, well, even though she's been sitting here for two to three weeks, I'm going to give it a shot and see if I can't get, you know, some more money out of this poor girl or her family. Um, So anyways, he applied makeup, but the girl had been dead for three weeks. And at that point, it just really wasn't working. So this is a quote. That's when I kind of gave up on, like, the mouth and stuff. I just uh, decided to tape it. I taped it so that, you know, it looked like her face had some texture to it, I guess. And then I was still having problem with her eyes or her forehead, you know, because there was no expression. And um, I tried super glue and that didn't work. And so I took the needles I had, you know, like the big curved needle. I forget what they call it, but I had that. And then I had that 10 pound test fishing line and I, uh, I sewed, uh, took the needle and went down through her brow, like right between her eyebrows and down up along her nose cartilage under the skin and out and then went back up the same path and did it again. And then I pulled it tight to make it look like she was squeezing her eyes shut. And then I took a test picture just to kind of see what it was going to look like. And I think I put a little more makeup on her after that. And I already had her hair braided at that point and, uh, dot, dot, dot. So Courtney, any psychological insight into this behavior? Again, I think it speaks to his level of planning and attention to detail and knowledge about, I mean, dead bodies, as well as his total disregard for human life. He was basically playing with Samantha's body as if it were a doll, dressing her up, putting makeup on, positioning her in different poses. 
And he had no qualms at all about just like sticking needles into her eyelids, which makes me squirm mm-hmm. just thinking about it. Um, I mean, she was literally just an object to him that he could do whatever he wanted and use however he wanted. And if you guys haven't seen those pictures, um, we talked of them last time. Um, you can just Google Samantha Koenig and it comes up and her eyes are open. And the reason they're open in those pictures, um, the one with Israel Keys's arm in it and then the newspaper, um, is because he sewed them open. So, yeah. It then took Israel three days to dismember and move her body to the lake. He took her in batches. He was very meticulous and very patient. He told the FBI where to look in the lake, and they assembled a dive team of 10 and were able to locate Samantha albeit in five different parts at the bottom of the icy lake, the lake that had three feet of ice on it. That poor, terrified young woman. But at least now she was found so her family and friends could have some closure. As for Israel, he had a lot more to say. Um, I recommend that you, if you're interested in this case, you read the book we've been referencing, American Predator by Maureen Callahan. Throughout the many interviews in the book, Israel changed his mind and stories several times. And one of these times is when he first confessed to Samantha's uh, murder. He said that he wanted the death penalty to be off the table. But later on, he wanted a date of his execution and it to be soon and to be confirmed. And he kind of changed his mind and he said, quote, I want this whole thing done in a year from today, start to finish. Basically, I'll tell you about everything. I'll give you, you know, plead guilty to whatever. I'll give you every single gory detail you want but that's what I want. His reason was because he didn't want his kid to be dragged through the mud because of him. And after some back and forth, he stated, all right, I'll give you two bodies, two bodies and a name. So the bodies he was referring to belonged to Vermont couple, Bill and Lorraine Courier. They were a couple in their 50s who just seemed to vanish one night in June of 2011. Keyes explained that he unearthed supplies he had buried two years earlier, one of his murder kits, a five-gallon bucket with zip ties, ammo, guns, silencers, duct tape, and Drano to accelerate the human decomp. With his supplies in tow, he found a house that he thought looked like it belonged to an older couple without a dog. Keyes did explain he did not target children, probably because of his child and maybe taking care of children his whole life. Anyways, and if there was a dog there, he would be worried about the noise he'd make, so he did not target places with dogs as well. He then cut their phone cord, or their phone line, because if there were a security service, it would be connected to the phone line. He then waited several hours, then stood through a window. He broke um, the window because the front doors were double locked, so he broke a window, and he went through that. He said it took him six seconds to get into the house, to the bedroom, and the courier's zip-tied. So that is a crazy short time. I'm just thinking six seconds for him to enter the house, go to the bedroom, get them up, and tie them. I don't know. Maybe he was exaggerating. That just seems crazy. But that's what he said. And hey, if he passed the Army Ranger course, maybe it's not that far off. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, He then made both of them get up, put their slippers on so that they wouldn't step on the glass because he didn't want to have any sort of like evidence there of, I guess... um, He said DNA evidence would have been theirs. But anyhow, um, and he put them into their own car, and then he drove them to an abandoned farmhouse. 
So the book said this, quote, when Keyes took people, he was acutely attuned to their animal response. The acid flush of adrenaline flooding their veins, color draining from faces, pupils dilating in fear. He could smell their sweat. He liked to extend that response if possible. Courtney, any comments? Predator is the word that comes to mind to describe Israel Keys. You know, he reminds me of like a cat playing with a mouse almost, like letting go just enough that the mouse thinks it might escape just to be pounced on again. Um, you know, and this itself, this is a form of sadism, you know, and that he really did get off on watching the fear and panic in his victims over and over again. You know, the small gestures that he did, like having them wear slippers so their feet didn't get cut, which of course doubles as a, you know, forensic countermeasure. Mm-hmm. Um, but those, those give a small moment of belief that maybe, just maybe this man might not kill them, you know. But then the next minute, of course, he's acting violently or threatening. And I mean, it's all about psychological torture. When he got them, the couriers, into that farmhouse, uh, he had planned to rape both of them. Remember, we had said that he was bisexual. But Bill Courier tried to humanize himself to, to Israel, like talking to him, telling him, you don't have to do this, blah, blah, blah. Um, this made Keyes really angry. He did not want to see this person as a, a person. He wanted to see him as a sex object. So Israel ended up hitting Bill twice with a shovel and then shooting him in the chest, the head, the neck, and arms. And Bill was still standing. And he said it was a crazy feat of strength that he still was standing. But then he fell to the floor dead. Uh, Keys then raped Lorraine twice. The second time, he choked her out. He said he boiled some water, but when the feds asked why, um, he wouldn't tell them. He then took Lorraine down to the basement for her to see her dead husband, then strangled her from behind, put the bodies together, dumped Drano on them, you know, again, to speed up decomp, put them into trash bags and rolled them into a corner and covered them with debris. Then he left. Courtney, any thoughts? When asked why this, uh, why this couple, he explained that his motive was purely sexual. Do you have any idea what that water may have been for? Whether he says it or not, all of his murders were likely sexually motivated, as he was a sexual sadist who derived sexual pleasure by killing people. Um, as for the boiling water, my first two thoughts were that it may be used as some kind of like cleaning up kind of measure, um, or possibly as another kind of torture device. Um, as you can imagine, it would be extremely painful to say, like, have boiling water poured on you. Um, but of course, these are purely conjectures mm-hmm. and have absolutely no evidence to back them up. That's just where my mind went. Yeah, because, I mean, if it was just to clean, I don't know why he wouldn't tell them that. And when you read the transcripts, it sounds nefarious. So, I don't know. I bet it was for something torturous, <laughs> unsavory. Well, unfortunately, this house, when the feds looked up um, the location that Israel had, give, had given them, had been bulldozed to the ground. And all of the parts of the house had been taken to the local dump. So many agents spent many hours, many days, I think even many months, um, searching the dump but found no traces of the bodies. There was still like part of the foundation of the house and cadaver dogs did verify that there were bodies there at some point. So they were fairly sure Keyes was was telling the truth. 
Um, Israel was very disappointed that the bodies were not found because he really wanted to see pictures of his handiwork. So, poor guy. Keyes then went on alluding to bank robberies he had done and talking about fires he had started. Big fires, Courtney. Like, we're talking about houses. Um, And he spoke of his kill kits that he had buried all over the United States for use in years to come. Keyes also had this to say about how he saw himself as a teen. Quote, I was never anybody, I was never everybody's nice to each other and everything's all sunshine and roses. And uh, so that's why it was disturbing to me because it seemed like for a long time I was, well, I thought everybody else was faking it and everyone was like me and they just didn't act like it. Or I figured that I was a demon child or whatever. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I put that in there because I think he figured out when he was young that he was different. Right. Especially, you know, if we think back to our first episode on him when he was talking about being surprised mm-hmm. by, like, the other teens' reactions right. to him torturing that cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that's probably when he started to realize, like, oh, not everybody thinks like me. Right. And I'm sorry if this sounds like it's come, it's kind of not in chronological order. I'm just kind of following the interrogation. And he, you know, revealed things about his childhood one day. He revealed things about murders the other day. So it kind of does sound kind of um, awkward, I suppose. But that's just, that's the way we're doing this one. So get over it. Uh, Keyes admitted to killing four people in Washington. Two of them he killed together and the other two he killed separately. He insinuated he used a boat to dispose of one or more of the victims, but that was all he would give on that. He would not reveal names or where he killed them or where their bodies now were. Authorities were pretty sure that at least two of the victims were a mother and daughter pair. Uh, near Pinnacle Lake in Washington. Keyes would not give any more information without a concrete execution date. So the state of Alaska currently does not have the death penalty, so this would have had to have been a federal death penalty sentence, which isn't impossible, but it takes a lot more time. Um, Keyes was willing only to give so much without getting anything in return. So it was like a constant game between Keyes, uh, Keyes and the feds. He would only give so much, and they had... Uh, trouble taking that information and producing bodies because he would be so vague. Um, the only leverage they had on him was his daughter, and they refused to use her as a pawn. She was very young, and it just wasn't ethical. So he's really kind of held all the cards, so to speak. He obviously wasn't afraid of the death penalty, right? Right. He asked for it. Yeah. You know, and I think it's also worth just noting that throughout this whole time, he's had three very specific requests before he would agree to like come mm-hmm. talk to the detectives at all. You know, so at each meeting he wanted an Americano, a Snickers bar and a cigar. Um, and these may be, you know, small requests, but in one, it was one small way that keys again could make sure that he had control of these meetings. Peanut butter Snickers bar. Ooh. Yeah, that's even more specific. Exactly. And if you again, watch these YouTube videos, you know, you'll see the day start with them tossing him these things. Oh. Yep. So, so he, uh, Keyes also spoke of a time in Maupin, Oregon, when he lived there as a teen. He grabbed a girl on a hiking trail who was rafting with her friends and pulled her into a, vo- a vault toilet outhouse. So, um, Courtney, I'm sure you've seen those. I've gone camping a lot. They're those nasty um, outhouses, basically, that are dark. There's no lights in there, full mm-hmm. of flies. 
they're just really there to use as a last case resort. It's basically just like a hole in the ground. It's yeah. It's they have them all over Oregon because we have a lot of camping here. Um, he then brutally raped her with the intent to kill her. He said uh, he oh, sorry. He said that she talked him down and that somehow convinced him to let her go. He threatened her that if she was to tell, um, he would find her and kill her. And so that threat must have worked because she never came forward. Um, I, as far as I know, she still hasn't come forward. When asked if that was the first time he sexually assaulted someone, he said, quote, no, but I mean, that was the first time I took it to that level. I had it all planned out. His plan was to kill her and to put her into the toilet. He said that after her, he would never let anyone go again. He would only kill going forward to keep control. All in all, Keith said he had killed seven or eight people, but other than Samantha and the couriers, we have no names and no bodies that are tied to him, no real physical evidence. There is a lot of speculation of murders that occurred when Israel was known to be in an area, but no concrete evidence to definitively prove he did those murders. He's never uh, admitted to it, but he was suspected that he killed a young double amputee in his late teens. They found her legs in one place and her body in another. Keyes had lived near the poor girl when she went missing and was found. Um, It's also suspected that he killed a woman in an arson fire again in his late teens. Neither of these were proven as there was no evidence, but it kind of fits his M.O. And he again was in the area of the time. If you watch the tapes, um, there are many hours of tapes. You can see how cavalier he is. I know we talked about this before, but I really just, it's hard to, to explain it without seeing it. He's just matter of fact, but elusive. He laughed, like always was laughing after everything he said. Um, he said that no one actually expects stuff like this to happen to them, referring to the people that he killed. He then, you know, laughs as if he made a joke when he said that. He also said his kill kits were like a treasure hunt for himself or for others if they stumbled upon them, like a sick geocache game. He truly did not care about anyone but himself, satisfying his own sick, twisted needs and desires and getting a rush from doing it. He was meticulous. He was patient and he took years to prepare. So all in all, it's impossible to know how many people were killed or harmed by this man because on December 12, 2012, Israel Keyes killed himself in his prison cell. He slit his wrists and hung himself. So he, uh, he, he did it, you know, he wasn't going <laughs> to not do that. He did leave a, leave a suicide note. It was four pages. Um, but here are a few highlights of the note. Quote, turn a blind eye back to the screen, soak in your reality shows, stand in front of your mirror and you preen in a plastic castle you call home and land of the free land of the lie land of scheme Americanize consume what you don't need stars you idolize pursue what you admit is a dream then it's American die and another one my dark moth princess I would come often and worship on the altar of your flesh and You shudder now with revulsion and try to shrink far from me. I'll have you lie down and begging to become my Stockholm sweetie. Okay. Um. (laughs) It's a lot. It's (laughs) a lot. And then, okay, talk is over. Words are placid and weak. Back it with action or it all comes off cheap. Watch close while I work now. Feel the electric shock of my touch. Open my trembling flower. 
or your petals I'll crush. Courtney, any thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts um, and a few theories. Um, Just kind of focusing on these quotes themselves, you know, um, the parts about the American dream and reality TV and all of that, you know, it might be reflecting the way that Hughes was raised in that sort of anti-government, anti-society sort of way. And, you know, he could be commenting on, you know, the shallowness and consumerism of American culture. Um, you know, the next part about the, the moth princess and Stockholm sweetie and all of that, you know, could be talking about former partners. You know, his the mother of his child was um, Indian and black, mm-hmm. so um, could be a dark moth there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but more likely, I think it's probably referencing victims and, you know, the acts themselves of, of rape and murder almost as if they're like a religious experience for him. And then the last part, at least to me, seems more clearly about how the FBI kept promising him an execution date, um, but it never came. And so he had to take matters into his own hands, which he did. Or all of it could mean be completely meaningless and, you know, written by Israel to just mess with the investigators. Um, But whatever these, you know, musings meant, we can be sure that each word was chosen and placed carefully with the intent to be exactly how Israel wanted them to be. Yeah, ever the dramatic exit from this life did he leave us with, so... Um, And to make things even more confusing about everything about Israel Keys, to this day, there are over 40,000 pages of case files that the Department of Justice will not release due to national security on Israel Keys. Courtney, what the fuck? I know, right? A lot of these are also said to be military records, and those um, that were released were heavily redacted, like could barely see anything on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in in my research, there were some rumors that maybe Israel may have had murder victims in Egypt and surrounding countries um, that he committed when he was deployed in the army. Um, And if those were true, I could see the government kind of wanting to keep that quiet. Like, we sent a serial killer into your country Mm -hmm. and he killed people. Right. Um, You know, and... If those were true, that would be quite something. Um, You know, and other stories suggested that he was engaged in sort of top secret projects um, while he was within the military and and the DOJ. But, I mean, he was a dangerous man. And all I know for sure is that Israel Keyes was as much a mystery alive as he is dead. I agree. And he's... Just compared to other serial killers, the amount of patience and planning and um, self-control that he has is what makes him so scary. Right. He rarely acts on impulsivity. And it's like when he did with Samantha, that's when he got caught, you know. Right. And there are still, what, like eight or ten kill kits uh-huh. out yeah. there that haven't been found. Right. Um, and so we can assume that he had intended to. Sure. And he might have used them more than once. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, put it back when he was done. Come back and do it again. So, you know, he said he killed like seven or eight people, but 
<laughs> who knows if he's telling the truth. I mean, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think investigators um, believe he killed at least like eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. um, but obviously they can't connect them. Right. Um, and all this thinking about too is Israel. He was only what like thirty four. Yeah, he was really young. He was born in seventy eight. Yeah. So I think or six, and then died in twenty twelve. Yeah, so when he was caught, he was, what, like 34 years mm-hmm. old. Right. So just imagine if he kept right. living. Right, yeah. Well, crazy case, kind of different format than usual. I hope that we still were able to explain everything um, as we have, you know, as we try to do every case um, file that we get. I'm sure you all will have lots of questions, and we will not have answers for you. <laughs> Yeah, but it's kind of fun to research this one, and I highly do recommend that book we were talking about. She put a lot of time into it, yeah. years, years of research. It's very, very yeah. thorough. And I read it twice. That's how good it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so Courtney is picking our next serial killer. Do you want to give them a clue? I don't want to give too much away, but I can say that um, this is a big one, a one that probably most or all of you have heard of. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and we haven't said this for a while, but Courtney, do you think that Israel Keys was addicted to murder? Oh, he certainly was. <laughs> okay, well, everybody stay safe and like, listen, follow, tell your friends. Thank you. Love you. Bye. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.